1: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Getting In, A College Coach Conversation. Um, I want to thank you all so much for joining us today, Um, and to remind you that if you enjoy this podcast, please, please, please go and review us on Apple Podcasts. That's where you can help others find us, and my hope is that if you found this really useful, you will want to spread the word, so please do that. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about 529 plans and how they can be really helpful to you um, in terms of saving for college. Um, But before we get to that, um, I have something that is probably most applicable for our current group of seniors and their parents, but also will be relevant um, to students and families who maybe aren't quite there, aren't graduating uh, this month, next month. Um, And that is kind of what I think is going to be a must watch on maintaining your health in college. Um, And so joining us for this conversation are Jill and Dave Henry. Um, They're the married team behind the greatest college health guide you never knew you needed. This is a picture of the book. You can buy it on Amazon and anywhere else you buy books. Um, Welcome, Jill and Dave. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you
2: for having
3: us. Uh, Yeah, thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. Well, I want to share with the listeners. So what happened here for me was that I got a link to an early view of the book um, and you know, it was sort of, hey, what do you think about this book? Do you think these people would be great guests for the podcast? And I clicked on the link and I was probably about 10 pages in and I had two thoughts. And the first was, I absolutely want my son to read this book. So for listeners who've been with us for a little bit, you know that my son is a junior about to graduate, I'm sorry, not graduate, about to become a senior uh, and he'll be graduating next year and heading off to college. And then the second thought was, I really want to bring this book to our listeners' Um, Because I know a lot of you are going to be heading off to college this fall or your parents who are sending your kids off. Um, And I just I just thought from 10 pages in, this is a book that will resonate with students. And so the first place I wanted to start with um, is both of you and kind of, you know, what led you to write this book, which I think is super important.
2: Okay, so we actually met coaching high school sports. Um, I'm a longtime high school math teacher, and I coach cross country. And Dave started working at the same school coaching football. Um, So our relationship sort of blossomed in front of hundreds of teenagers, which was its own sort of awkward. But the book was really inspired by the kids that we work with. Um, As a cross country coach, I oftentimes find myself seeing kids finish out high school sports with me because my runners end up being in two camps. They either are runners year round and they go to track. But more often than not, they're kids that just run cross country. And so high school sports are over for them forever um, for the seniors in the fall. And so um, four years ago at this point, at the last meet of the season, one of my seniors came up to me with tears in her eyes, uh, realizing that sports were over and now she was responsible for getting exercise on her own, which was enough of a burden. But her question to me was, coach, how do I not gain the freshman 15? Um, And she wasn't being flippant. I think it was a concern that, is so talked about in the media, particularly girls really worry about it. And so um, I promised her that I could help. And I think initially Dave and I thought, oh, we'll just put together some workouts and some like a dining hall guide for you. Um, But to really do this topic justice, it required a whole lot more work than that. And so four years later, um, we finally have the book on it, but, but it really has always been rooted in the idea of, we just wanted to help these kids that we know and other kids that we don't, navigate this transition because it, it can be so much more tumultuous than kids are led to believe. The freshman 15 is one piece of so many things that are really hard about that transition. And so this book was really born out of desire to just help prepare them for that.
1: And when we started, I'm sorry, you want to keep going? No, I was gonna I was gonna kind of point back to one of the things that struck me about the book is how open and honest you both are about your own challenges when you got to college. And I and that's the thing that really resonated with me and made me say, this is a book my son will read and I believe will really engage with. And so I was just, you know, kind of curious. I know, Dave, you have your own perspective on that yeah. you bring to this book, too.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that we noticed when we started doing research on this is the wealth of information that is available for students is so abundant. And most schools have web pages devoted exactly to this, right? And so the disconnect of the information was something that struck us from the very beginning of how is a lot of this available and yet somehow it's not landing with the people that it needs to land with, right? right? So when we started going down the road of doing this project, it wasn't just about doing research and making sure that we have the best information available, but how do we contextualize that and start a conversation rather than saying, this is what you need to do. Yes. This is the path you need to walk. None of us are perfect, right? And none of us receive information that way. And we found it so much easier to root this in stories, first and foremost, our own personal experiences as mm-hmm. an entry point into these topics, but also including as many stories as we could from students across the country. And so on, on top of our own personal experience, we conducted a survey survey to over hundreds of kids across the country, all different colleges. Um, We had a psychologist help us develop the questions that we sent. And the responses that this survey elicited were so powerful, so vulnerable, so human. And that felt like to us, the best way to have these conversations, not just about what do you eat when you're in a dining hall, but what do you do when you feel terrible about yourself? What Mm -hmm. do you do when you feel like you've been partying too much? Um, and so that's why including this collective feeling of this is a community. We are all in this together. Yes. Felt like such an easier way for somebody to get a non-judgmental introduction into taking care of yourself.
1: Yeah. And the non-judgmental piece feels particularly relevant to me because again, that's what I as I was reading it, I thought that there isn't no one's saying, Oh, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do this, just say no, all of those things. At the same time, you're not saying just say yes to everything instead. Right. Instead, what you're saying is you're going to be faced with a lot of choices. And here are some ways to think about those choices. And that struck me particularly in the section around alcohol. It's, you know, I think when, when I talk to families and students, you know, sometimes I hear, I don't want to party school or the parents really don't want to party school. And a little part of me in the back of my head always thinks, well, Every school has a party scene. I hear what they're saying. I understand it. But every school does have a party scene. And I think it's better to think about how will I navigate whatever the scene is wherever I arrive rather than I just want to go to a place where it doesn't exist because I don't think that place <laughs> exists in this in this country anyway. And I was curious about your thoughts on that element of it.
3: Yeah, well, uh, you know, drinking culture is part of America. And like you mentioned, regardless of which campus, although there's going to be variety in like, you know, some places have a much larger Greek life scene, some places have a completely dry campus. um, To your point, there's going to be people who are going to want to party, for lack of a better term, on every campus. And so, Mm -hmm. A, having information about, well, what does this actually do to your body? How Mm -hmm. do you determine how much is too much? And then B, learning some tactics for saying, no, if that's not something that you want to do. Right. And one of the things that we got back in the surveys that was so cool was so many people echoed this idea that I was really scared that people were going to pressure me into doing something I didn't want to do. And the first time I said, no, everyone was so receptive right. and nobody cared about trying to peer pressure. Nobody was like going out of their way like it was some plot to get me to do something i didn't want to do and that feeling of empowerment is so much stronger when you're hearing it from your peers right yeah. and we're just telling you like you can always say no <laughs> um, you know and part of the experience for these kids going to school is learning for themselves well how do i want to do this and setting rules for themselves and so that was so important to us is making sure that there was a very clear understanding of a how do I make sure I don't get in trouble with my health, with yeah. my schoolwork, right? But B, um, how do I make this integrate into my life and be rules for me? So I know I only have two drinks when I go out, or I've looked up that if I have three drinks within one hour, my blood alcohol content is going to be so high, I'm going to be in a bad spot. I can't do that, right? Right, right. Because you have three drinks over the course of a night of multiple hours, uh, but that information isn't uh, getting across when the message is don't drink until you're 21.
1: Right, you know? right. Because going- you're going to face it, right? You, you, yeah. you, there's going to, it's going to be there. And as a parent, you know, part of me hopes that my son will say, no, thanks. I'm not 21. And then when he is 21, he will suddenly have a beer and it'll all be great. But I also live in the world and I went to college and I know that that's unlikely. And so, and that's, that's what I really if my if our listeners take away nothing from this, that is my the, the reason why I think this book is so valuable is that it's something your kids might actually read and listen to. And it might talk about things in a way that I don't know, maybe you don't as a parent, it might make you comfortable it might make you uncomfortable, but it will, I believe, really resonate with your student with a positive message. That's that's my take on that. Um, You know, another chapter that really resonated with me was the one on food, because I will tell you that I absolutely had this challenge. I definitely gained the freshman 15 if I was so inclined, I might put up pictures of me before I went to college and then like after six months there. You know, you go and, and like there's pizza, there's ice cream. There are three different choices of entree. And if you get one thing and you don't love it, you could eat half and then go get a second. And then you could always have a slice of pizza at the end. So anyway, that really obviously resonated with me. I'm curious which sections of the book you are finding are resonating the most with both parents and students or if there are different sections resonating with different populations.
2: It's been so eye-opening. We've sent it to parents, we've sent it to students, we've had it looked at by professional reviewers, and there doesn't seem to be one chapter that everybody's gravitating towards. I think um, kids are either gravitating towards something that they're worried about or something they knew nothing about, and a lot of them are coming back and saying sleep is one that's been really surprising for them. They didn't realize the impact of sleep, um, or they didn't realize there was a a right way, quote-unquote, to be thinking about it. I've certainly had other kids that have talked about food because they're obviously afraid of the freshman 15, um, but also alcohol, whether or not they choose to drink, I think having an understanding of how it's going to impact their body. So, so content wise, I think different chapters have resonated, but there has been a theme from everybody who's read it. Um, and that's been a real appreciation for how clearly we've laid out expectations. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the times the conversation about college is it's going to be the best four years of your life. Yes. And that can put a lot of pressure on kids. Um, particularly now with the price tag of college, the idea of trying to get everything out of it and the exposition of college life on social media can make kids feel this pressure to make it look perfect and happy all the time. And so the one thing that we heard back from, from everybody who read it was, uh, just an appreciation for the fact that we were being very clear about the appropriate expectations, that it can be fun, but it's hard. Yeah. managing All of this, once you're on your own for the first time can be incredibly overwhelming and that having those feelings is normal. And for whatever reason, that that message of best four years has sort of continued to thrive. Um, and we talk about mental health struggles on campus, and we talk about sexual assault, but the universal idea of at some point, whatever your struggle is, you are going to struggle has not been given enough airtime. And so, I think a lot of students are just glad to know that they don't have to feel the pressure. To always have an awesome time on campus, um, and for parents to feel like there's a door into a conversation. We've heard back from a lot of parents, like you were talking about. These are things they want to talk about with their kids, but they don't know how to get into the conversation. And the yeah. book has been a great way to respond to something together, rather than have it be a conversation motivated by a parent to their kid. So I think it's removed some some barriers that might have existed for having open, honest, frank, raw conversations about the struggles, um, de-mist- de- de-mist- de-stigmatizing rather, the struggles that can exist on a college campus.
1: Yeah. And I think that the whole idea this is going to be the best four years of your life, that is absolutely not the case for everyone. And I, and I also, you mentioned it in passing, the whole social media, the performance aspect of it, you know, that's an issue with social media in general. I mean, I suffer. We all suffer from it on some level if you're on social media. And I don't think that any it's it's probably worst for high school and college students, especially if you go off to college, your friends are at different colleges. What are you putting on social media? You're putting, you know, the fun times The look at me, I'm out with all my new best friends where meanwhile, you literally could have snapped a picture with three people that you don't even really know, put it up on Snapchat and then went to the, back to your dorm alone. Right. And, and I think there's an element that sets in that is new that didn't exist, at least when I was in college. And, um, that adds to that mental stress. And I, and I love the idea that you're discussing the fact that it may not be so great and that it's okay if it's not that great, right. You know, that maybe you love this elements, A, B, and C, but X, Y, and Z are a lot tougher. And, you know, other people are experiencing these challenges as well, right? You're in it to, you're not in it alone. I think it's right. probably the best way to think about it.
2: Right, and and from social media, I think there's two things that you can take from that. We, we really celebrate the sort of fitness influencers, the people who are posting about what they eat and how they exercise. And that ends up prioritizing how you look versus how you feel. Yeah. And that's something we really wanted to give airtime to in the book was having students really look inward And think about how they're feeling physically, but also mentally, emotionally, and recognizing that, yeah, the beginning might be hard, but health, taking care of yourself is a constant ebb and flow. I mean, we're we're 12 years out of college, 14 years out of college at this point, we still ride that roller coaster. So bringing awareness to the fact that there's no such thing as being healthy. It's you're constantly making choices and- being healthy is as much knowing what types of choices to make as it is having the willingness to recognize you just are going to be starting over all the time, and so really letting kids know that there's not there's not just some pinnacle you reach and you're there and you're healthy and you're great and you feel good. It's not like, like, a, like
3: a level you can achieve. Yeah, and right. Forever <laughs> that, right. right? Yes, it's
2: exactly. A game that you keep dying and going back to the beginning. Yeah, it's that cycle 100%. of rebirth and. But that's a good thing, that every time you have to start over, you've learned something about yourself. And college tends to be the first time kids really are recognizing the impact that their choices have on how they feel, Um, because so much has been controlled for them before college. And so that's why this transition in particular is so important to be talking about how you feel and how you're taking care of yourself, because so many choices are brand new um, that impact your bottom line. And so- we really wanted to start that conversation with
1: this book. And I think you've done a brilliant job of that. We're going to take a really quick break. I'm going to hold the book up again. So for our listeners, ooh, I got to get it close enough. Nope, that's not working. There we go. You kind of see it. I have a green screen. It messes with things. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, there you go. We're going to talk a little bit more about the book. So don't go away.
4: What's happening on the Voice
0: America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit getintocollege.com to learn more. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts, who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions, offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I am talking to Jill and Dave Henry, who wrote a great book that they're going to hold up because... My green screen doesn't let it show. It's the greatest college health guide you never knew you needed. Um, And you can get this at Amazon or anywhere that you buy books. Um, All right. Well, before the break, we were just talking about some of the things that you found have resonated with families. Um, I would like to talk more about stress and mental health. Uh, May is actually mental health month. One of the biggest challenges on college campuses right now is mental health. Um, I know that a lot of campuses are feeling stretched to their limits trying to help students deal with mental health issues. And um, it struck me as I read the book that this was a chapter that would be really beneficial for students, especially students who maybe have never even experienced any kind of mental health challenges before. So talk to me a little bit about your advice in that section.
3: Well, in this conversation about taking care of yourself for the first time and trying to figure out how to navigate those waters at some point in time, you're going to feel terrible, right? Yeah. That's going to hit a light bulb goes off and maybe you're just tired or maybe you've been isolating for a long time and something is just fine. An alarm will go off that like, I just don't feel very good. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's a complex question to answer. And so in order to enter that, you've got to be able to ask yourself, well, what have I been doing, right? It's, it's a triage kind of check-in. Jill's way of looking at it is, how have I been doing recently, right? So what did I eat? You might feel terrible because you had three plates of lasagna for lunch. And like, that'll make yeah. you feel terrible. That's true, right? but you might feel terrible because you haven't been sleeping well for weeks and that's starting to add up. And what we see across campuses nationwide, right? Is that they all feel stress. The uh, response for, do you feel stress regularly? is like 98%, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of the numbers that jumped out to us even more is that 88% of students felt stress in the last year. They felt overwhelmed by stress and 60% of that 88% felt that within the last two weeks. And so stress is not this thing that sneaks up on you and grabs you because you weren't paying attention. Stress is something, as we know, that you deal with every single day, right? There are things that are going to come up that you've got to try and tackle and handle. And so that beginning question of what can I do in order to take care of myself or um, how have I been doing recently has got to start with some kind of symptomatic check-in, right? Some kind of assessment of how have you been spending your time? What have you been eating? When was the last time you exercised? When was the last time you talked to a person? Because in order to figure out what can I do to feel better, you've got to have a better idea of what is it that uh, is is nagging at me, right? Yep.
2: Well, and all the things in the book have a relationship to stress. It almost seems to all trickle down. How you eat, how you exercise. Exercise obviously can relieve stress. Eating Eating poorly can add to it. Not sleeping enough can add to it. Having a complicated relationship with alcohol can add to it. And so at the, at the root of everything is really, like Dave said, how are you doing? But so much of that can have an impact on just how you're feeling mentally and emotionally. And like we said earlier, because so many decisions are you know being made by these students for the first time ever, it can become very overwhelming. And one of the things we heard from a lot of students that we spoke with was the freedom which yeah. there's so much looking forward to ends up being one of the most challenging things to navigate. Um, Cause it's in all aspects. It's not just with the choices you make about food, but it's just your time compared to life in high school. You have you might have two classes in a day, um, but your day is opened up in a much different way than you're used to. And managing that time wisely can be very challenging because you're so excited about yes. it. It's so new and novel that you don't take a minute to sit down and prioritize, what do I need to get done so that I feel good about what I've, what I've done with my time today? Um, mm-hmm. And for a lot of kids, it can be be difficult to learn to sort of give credence to those intrinsic rewards of just like what makes me feel good about myself. And, and that's from an internal standpoint, not an external thing. Like I, I got ice cream after dinner and that was fun. So that felt good, but more just about how can I adopt some habits that make me really proud of the way that I'm living? Right. And I think for a lot of kids, it is a trial and error thing. We have a whole chapter about trial and error. I think as much as you can advise and give tips for how to sort of navigate the waters, there's a certain amount of failure that has to happen in every one of those areas for you to really figure out what works for you. Cause what stresses me out and how I cope with that is very different than what stresses Dave out or what might stress you out so I think a part of it is just learning how you tick. And it, it can be really exciting. It's also very hard. Um, but again, I think recognizing that when you're struggling with mental health stuff, you're not alone. There is help. There are things that you can do. Um, and talking to your peers and realizing that you're not the only one struggling is is a great first step because it can be, like I used earlier, um, really help you destigmatize how you're feeling. We talk about mental health, but Are students really comfortable being very open and vulnerable with how they're feeling? Maybe, maybe not. And it can be hard to, at 19, 18 years old, be broadcasting that you're really struggling um, and be honest and open and not make a joke out of it. I was talking to a senior recently who said the pandemic, one of the highlights has been it's easier to be honest about stress. She was like, there's no reason to make a joke out of it because everybody's hurting. And so maybe one good thing that comes out of this is kids can feel more freedom to talk about how they're feeling um, and how they're not feeling great and have honest conversations with one another and lean on each other more than they maybe had before.
1: Yeah. Dave,
3: That was a real turning point for me. My freshman year of college, I I had a hard time adjusting to a small school coming from a big city and felt the pressure that we've been talking about before about, you know, I'm here for a specific reason. I've got to like do a good job and get good grades and I'm going to play sports and, you know, my parents are going to be proud of me and all that kind of pressure that people put on themselves. And it wasn't until I had kind of a breaking point and finally confided in my friend group, I don't think I'm doing very well. And that Mm -hmm. first step of vulnerability that involved a lot of tears and involved a lot of feedback from them felt like all of this stuff that I'd been carrying for so long and really pretending like I wasn't carrying, like as soon as you can let that go and have one honest connection with somebody you're like, Oh my God, I'm okay. Like I, I I feel better just being able to communicate this stuff. Right. And in the conversation that we've been having about social media and about the perception of happiness and uh, the perception of my, my life is so great and feeling this weight of, I've got to maintain this at all times, just finding any of these outlets for real vulnerable communication whether it's somebody who you've known your entire life that you can take a walk and call and and, and have a conversation that is not rooted in the life that you're created in this bubble at the school where you are, so you have a break from that, or if it's just somebody on your floor that you're having a conversation with for the first time and and striking up that genuine connection not only gives you the relief from that burden of carrying those things, but it opens this platform for them to do the same,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. I think that human connection is so important. Um, And I also, getting back to what you guys are talking about in terms of having all of these decisions now that you get to make, you know, I remember just that I no longer had a curfew and I would look at my watch and think, oh, it's almost time for curfew and I don't need to go home, so I'm not going to. And how ultimately... That led to probably a few too many really late nights out until I said to myself, maybe I need to impose my own curfew. And I'm, I'm curious if there are th- ways to maybe ease that transition a little bit, um, being mindful that we have not only student listeners, but a lot of parents who are listening, You know, things that maybe our current crop of seniors who are going to be going off to college can be doing this summer, specifically around that kind of decision making and handling stress and things like that.
2: One thing that we actually, we, we touched on a little bit in the book, but I think we've synthesized since we finished with the book, was actually advice that was given to me when I was pregnant with my son, um, so years ago, by a friend who had previously had a child. And she was like, I want you to write down five to 10 things that just you can do in 10 minutes that don't cost any money um, and that put a smile on your face or relieve stress or make you feel positive and productive. And I was like, why? I know what those things are. And she's like, but you won't in the moment. When you're feeling overwhelmed, you're going to forget everything you know about how to take care of yourself and what works for you. And you're going to need that list. And sure enough, it was in the notes app of my phone. And I remember, and I gave it to Dave too, because sometimes when you're feeling so wound up in your own ball of sadness or stress, whatever it is, it can be really hard to remember that you have some things that have worked for you in the past. Um, and so, one of the things that I suggest to a lot of my runners is particularly after they've graduated, I mean, you have this open summer, um, yes. and you might have a job, but in a lot of cases, the obligations of the things you've been trying to do, the boxes you've been trying to check to get into college over the last four years, you're free yes. from that, is spend some time getting to know yourself and think about some things that you can do very quickly. Um, again, that, that are cost effective um, and fairly easy to do, like connecting with a friend. Maybe it's just going for a walk. Maybe it's listening to a podcast. Um, but something that can help you just recalibrate. It might not be the solution, but it'll at least help you refocus so that you can start surging towards a solution. And so that's one of the things that I you know, suggest a lot to my runners is just spend some time this summer making that list and put it on your phone. And if you have the relationship with your parents where you'd feel comfortable sharing that with them, do it. So if you call them in a panic, they have some suggestions that they can remind you of that worked for you. Yeah. Um, and spending some time on self-discovery before you get there, because once you're there, it's, it's, it's a carnival. I mean, <laughs> the beginning of college is, we describe the dining halls as a cruise ship buffet, but the whole thing can feel like a crazy four month long vacation. Um, and so, so busy that it's really hard to carve out time to reflect um, and to get to know yourself even better without other distractions. And so that's one thing I think students can focus on, um, during the summer in terms of habits that you talked about, I think a really, this is coming for me as a coach, but for those students who are student athletes, learn how to exercise on your own. It is, it's such a challenge that I don't think I had even considered when I went to college because I'd always exercise. What I didn't realize is I exercised because I had a coach that was telling me what to do and I had a practice time and I had people who would, you know, be annoyed if I didn't show up. Um, and once you once you're done with high school sports, you have none of that. And we have a lot of students who were mentioning in their quotes they were terrified of going to the gym because you do have you know men in, in tank tops in there lifting hundred pound bar I and mean, dumbbells in each hand and really setting the stage for what that gym might look like. Um, and so students don't realize there's all shapes and sizes and strength levels uh, in the gym. And that's just one piece of it. But learning how to give yourself some accountability, why maybe you want to exercise or sleep right or eat well uh, in the first place, just spending some time putting some habits mindfully into place during the summer so that when you get to college, you already have a sense of this is how I want to live. This is what makes me feel good. This is what makes me feel in control. And also recognizing those are going to get obliterated within the first few weeks. (laughs) But at least you know what to go back to. At least you have a baseline that you can return to um, that was working for you at some point. Right.
3: And to piggyback off that the idea of adding structure and adding a habit, just to talk about the how, how do you do that for a yes. second? Start with one. Yes. Okay. If you want to add exercise to your life, or if you're going to take responsibility for that, only decide I'm going to do it this amount of days. I'm going to do it at this exact time. And that idea of how do you structure your life when everything is unstructured, just focus on that one thing. And then starting to stack habits, once you have Mm -hmm. those down, is something that's easier to implement. So if you want to eat a certain kind of breakfast because you've decided that this is what I need, well, it's easier to do that if you're going to do it right after your workout, right? Or to translate this to the college setting, if you know that the gym is not near your dorm room, then go work out right after the class that's by the gym, right? Or wherever it is that you want to work out. But by a tap, start with one habit. Okay, just do that for you. And then once you feel like you've got this regularly incorporated, add only one more on top of that. Right. And try and stack those together. That's a way that it doesn't feel like, well, I have to program my whole life starting from scratch. (laughs) I've never done this before. No, you don't. All you have to do is one thing. Start there. Okay,
1: right. And I think that's great advice. And I also think this is an entirely new world that you're going to be entering, but you are taking you with you. So I I always get nervous when I see students who are sort of like, I'm going to be an entirely different person when I get to college and I'm going to do, you know, I normally procrastinate when I was in high school, but I'm not going to procrastinate where I get to college. Well, no, you probably are. You're going to fall back on what's familiar, right? So to your point, maybe pick one thing that you would like to do differently or that you would like to establish as part of your routine and then build those other things in um, rather than imagining it's the, the change in venue is suddenly going to miraculously change you into a different person, um, which is another thing that I see. And then I think as sometimes students get frustrated and upset when it doesn't happen that they kind of become grownups or new people all of a sudden. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Any last, before we wrap this up, any last final thoughts from each of you on, um, you know, just making good choices and or why to read the book?
2: (laughs) I, I Again, I think the theme of recognizing that health isn't a permanent situation and realizing that a big part of that is just starting over and starting over and starting over. If I could send kids to college with one piece of advice, it's that prepare to struggle and know that you have the power to restart. Every time you're feeling lousy yeah. um, and know that you have a support system and it might not be right with you at the moment, but you have parents and friends from before you got to campus that are still there for you. Be vulnerable with them and let you know, let them know how you're doing and ask for help when you need it.
3: Yeah. And to piggyback off that, do that list this summer yeah. do it right now. Put it in your phone, your, your family, your friends, your coaches, mentors, anybody that you've had a close connection with that would like to hear from you. That's the person that you want to call when, you're, when you don't know what to do or when you need a break because one of your new friends is mad at you or you got a bad grade on a test or whatever it is. Take a break from that, reconnect to these people who know you, and then go from there in terms of taking care of what you got to take care of.
1: I love both great, excellent pieces of advice. And I think right there for me is the reason why people should buy your book. Again, it's The Greatest College Health Guide You Never Knew You Needed. It's by Jill and Dave Henry. There is a copy of the book. Um, I would encourage all of our listeners to go out and uh, and check it out. And thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thank
2: you for having us.
1: Absolutely. All right. We are going to take a really quick break. And when we come back, we are talking about 529 plan, so don't go away.
4: Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN.
0: You are listening to Getting In, A College Coach Conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
1: All right, welcome back, everybody, and thanks for joining us on Getting In, A College Coach Conversation. Uh, It is May and uh, in fact, right now when this airs, it's May 27th and two days from now is a huge day in the college finance world. It is uh, it is 529 plan day, May 29th, 529 plan day, go figure. Um, and so we figured we would take advantage of that. And talk about 529 plans today. And joining me for that is my colleague, Michelle Richardson, who is also a former former financial aid officer. She worked at the Mayo Clinic uh, College of Medicine. She's also a former executive at both Chase Student Loans and Sally May. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Beth. All right. Well, we're talking 529 plans. um, And uh, just in general terms, you know, remind families that this is a great way to save for college. Um, What are a few key components that families need to know about 529 plans?
4: Sure. So first of all, let me give you the disclaimer. 529 plans are an investment, and I am not a financial advisor or a tax advisor, so we're going to talk about the uh, components that make up 529 plans, but basically they are a a tax-advantaged saving for college plan where the growth or the earnings is not taxed or the tax is deferred as long as the contributions and the growth are used to pay for college expenses. So a lot of times we get asked, well, what college expenses? Yeah, exactly. So, so it would be, you know, obviously tuition and fees. Uh, room and board is a big one I think families, you know, need to be aware of. Uh, also required books and supplies and, and tuition, uh, uh, excuse me, and uh, technology rather, um, they uh, are also available for K through 12 tuition expenses up to ten thousand dollars annually.
1: That's interesting. But one thing I know for sh- that they're not available for are things like test prep. So even though you're doing standardized testing to get into college, it's not considered an expense you could use a five two nine plan funds for. Correct. Things correct. like that. Correct. Ancillary things. Okay. Um, so. You guys talk a lot or our college coach finance experts and quite honestly educators and quite honestly even those of us who are more on the admission side of things, we do talk to families often about the benefits of saving for college. Um, what do you say to people or families who haven't started yet to save
4: right the The first two things I always tell families is you can start small and it's never too late to start so, I, you know, personally wasn't able to start until a little bit later in my career uh, for my kids as far as saving for college. And also, even though I know we're talking about 529 plan and, and 529 plan day, but, you know, there are other options available for families for saving for college, like traditional savings accounts or, or money markets or certificates of deposit. So um Know that there's a lot of options out there, um, and it's never too late. And you can always start small and adjust. You know, I, I think families need to know that they don't have to be locked in to uh, a dollar amount, um, or you know, if you are uh, concerned about the having an investment, and, and maybe you're more risk adverse, if you don't have to use a, an investment account like a 529 to save, you have other uh, avenues
1: to look at. Got it. You know, one one thing that um, I've heard you guys mention is uh, state income tax incentive. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. So one thing that I haven't touched on yet is every state
4: offers a state-sponsored 529 plan. So one thing when we get asked in, in talking to families, well, if every state offers a 529 plan, what plan do I go with? And obviously, we're not giving, you know, investment advice. But I think it is good for families to know that about 30 states, if you are a resident in that state, uh, they offer a state income tax incentive if you open a 529 plan in that state. So, uh, there could be um, tax deductions up to you know various amounts, but that might be you know something families look for initially if they're considering a 529 plan.
1: Is there, is there one place they can go to see which 30 states do that, or is it more you just kind of have to check with the state where you're in that you live um, in?
4: That, that's a great question. I use, uh, and most of us use the resource called savingforcollege.com. Mm -hmm. It's a a very, I would say, unbiased website that has all the state 529 plan information. It's updated. Um, It has a performance history. um, And they do a a very good job talking about the various uh, news points and changes, if there are any tax changes with 529 plans and other saving for college vehicles.
1: Got it. Okay. And one other question before we... Um, move on from the topic of just kind of getting started. Um, I know that the American Relief Act, I I think I was just reading that there are going to be some um, child payments coming up. What is, you know, what do you think about, is that a good way to maybe start saving?
4: Well, I think it's something that families should consider because I, I just recently read an article that said about 39 million households, Covering almost 90% of the children in our country um, are going are set to receive these up to $300 a month payments per child, Mm -hmm. and um, I believe they're starting in July. So, if families, you know, most of them might not have been expecting this, so it might be a good opportunity for families to look at maybe using those dollars to start a, a saving for college plan or beef up uh, maybe what they've already started to save for, for college. So um, it's a nice opportunity for families and, and something for them definitely to consider if they're financially able to do so.
1: Right. Absolutely. I mean, anytime it's, it's money kind of found money that you weren't expecting, if you don't need it to put food on the table and for the, for those kinds of things, it could be a great opportunity to start feeling like you're doing something towards the college saving process. So I love that idea. Um, so we talked a little bit about um, states, maybe that might incentivize families. Um, they have their own 529 plans, but are there other things that they're doing for lower income families to get them to open 529 plans?
4: Yes, and actually we have a blog uh, coming out talking specifically about this, but there are some states that offer 529 plan grants for lower income families in that state. And so states will often do uh, a seed contribution. So Um, For example, Massachusetts, their their baby step savings plan will give an initial $50 if residents in that state open uh, their baby step plan. Um, And some states will also offer matches, whether it's dollar for dollar Mm -hmm. um, or certain percentages. Like Louisiana uh, will match up to 14% of of families' uh, contributions. And so- Again, it, in, in a way, some families are, are leaving a little money on the table, um, you know. And, and another thing, kind of going back to the comment I made about starting small, um, you can open many of these plans at, for an initial $25, you know, contribution. And, and so, because um, I, I think sometimes if families look at the cost of college today, It can be daunting to think, oh, my gosh, I cannot save that much. You know, why bother? And so um, and and I think, you know, anything that you can try to to save early on and maybe get a tax advantage and not pay tax on the uh, earnings and the growth might be uh, an opportunity again for families and and to maybe look at your state 529 plan if they offer grants like this.
1: Yeah, I mean, if it's basically free money if you if you right. meet the qualifications, right? And who would ever turn down free money? So, right, um, absolutely something to look at. So when I introduced the segment, I did say, you know, this is a huge day in the college finance world. I'm I was slightly tongue in cheek. Um, <laughs> there are probably other days that are a bigger deal, but um, that said, there are states planning to celebrate 529 plan day, and I'm just curious you know, how they're doing that. What are some ways in which states are celebrating?
4: Right, right. So, well, if you're an Alaska resident, you can go to a a few different places and and get free ice cream um, across the state (laughs) if you open a a 529 plan. Uh, But other states like Washington, uh, Arizona, um, Iowa, the state where I I came from, Maryland, um, they are offering... uh, opportunities to win $529 or even $1,529 to uh, open a new 529 plan for, for residents. Um, Wisconsin and Utah and Minnesota are offering matches for new accounts that are opened in, in May by the end of the month. And I know we're getting kind of close to the, the end of the month. Um, but um Virginia residents, they probably will really want to listen up because the state of Virginia plan is giving away three $10,000 contributions to new uh, Invest 529 accounts that are opened with at least $25 by wow. June 1st. So, you know, take note of that if you're from uh, Virginia. And, and the other thing I think the listener should know is Anybody can open a 529 plan. You know, it doesn't have to be you, a parent. It could be the grandparents. It could be, you know, aunt or uncle. Um, So that is something if they're a resident and and are looking for something uh, to start saving for college, they could look at. Got it.
1: Really quickly, um, because we're coming up on the time. Is there a downside if the grandparent opens it or if it's opened in the name of the child? Any advice on you know, whose name it should be in, should somebody other than the parent open it or should the parent open it?
4: Yeah, great question. Um, So currently, uh, if anybody outside of the parents opened a 529 plan, Um, that could uh, negatively impact any need-based financial aid eligibility. Mm -hmm. Um, With the FAFSA simplification that is starting in the academic year of 2023, that is uh, changing or looking Mm -hmm. to be changed. So uh, non-parent or non-custodial parent uh, 529 plans, um, may not negatively impact moving forward in in 2023. We're still getting some uh, information on that. And the other thing uh, to touch on as far as who the account name should, you know, whose name should be on the account. The one thing to know with the 529 plan is whoever opens the account is the participant or the owner. um, And then the student is the beneficiary. Got it. And 529 plans currently um, if they are opened by a, a custodial parent, they do not typically, uh, they very uh, minimally impact need-based financial aid eligibility. Got it. So,
1: right. Because that's mostly, that's income-based, a lot of that uh, exactly. financial aid. I learn things. <laughs> I learn them occasionally. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Hey, you're welcome, Beth. Happy to be here. Great. So thank again. thanks again to Michelle, to all my guests this week. Next week, Sally is hosting. We are talking about ROTC, letters of recommendation, uh, and making college more affordable through tuition reciprocity programs. So you're going to want to check that out. Again, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. The more we get, the easier it is for others to find us and to get uh, what we hope is great information that we're sharing with everyone. If you have any questions, send them to us at Facebook um, or on Instagram. We are at, at collegecoachbh, and also I have my own Instagram, at heaton 92 You could also email your questions, gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Um, if you are curious about things we've talked about in the past, if you go to our blog and you do a search for a particular topic, it will also pop up. Um, any um, podcast that we've done on that topic. So it's a little bit of a, a, you know, sort of a search engine uh, in a way that you wouldn't anticipate it. And then don't forget, because we are here every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and the team of experts at Bright Horizons College Coach.